Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to this week's play-by-play of the Hang Time Podcast. Backing down a lefty hook, breaks it in! With your host, Elliot Anderson, stuffed it down behind his head. Sekou Smith, the tipping is good at the buzzer. Now it's time for the tip. When you hear the music, you know what time it is. The Hang Time Podcast here at NBA.com. Sekou Smith, your host from the Hang Time blog at NBA.com. Lang Whitaker, executive editor of Slam Magazine, is my co-host. What up? Langston, what's happening? How are you? Good, man. Glad to see you made it uh, home safely from home. I had to de-thaw <laughs> from that uh, Georgia game Saturday night. But yeah. Right a little, chill, little chilly out there for Georgia, oh. Georgia Tech, huh? <laughs> Especially in the upper deck. <laughs> <laughs> at the east end of the stadium, the closed end. Wow. So the wind was just blowing at us the whole game. But it was all, all right. All those alumni dollars you send to the school and the best you can do is an upper deck <laughs> ticket? <laughs> I'll tell you this. We were three, three rows from the top. Oh. <laughs> You might as well sat at the house with me and watched it. I, I, my view was probably better than yours. Nah, it was fun. You always have fun going to the game. My friend's mom borrowed this. My friend has season tickets, and I went with him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said his mom had the seats a couple weeks before, and she said uh, the way she she tried to spin it to be positive about sitting high up, and she said, uh, you know, you can really see the play develop from here. <laughs> <laughs> so the whole game we kept saying, you know, it's really cold up here, but you can really see the plays develop. From, from Very, nice. Very nice. Very <laughs> nice. Um, so, we're—I mean, you know—we're deep into the NBA season. If we, if we hit the point where these college football rivalries will be played at the end of November, yeah, that means we're roughly a solid month or so into the NBA season. Now we're at the dead point in the college season. Yeah, you know, like between like they have conference championships, and then there's like those three weeks where there's no games, and it's all NBA. Yeah, much. I mean, we get a the chance to—I don't know—I I think to me. Everybody talked about the first couple of weeks being too soon to, right? You know, gauge what's what. I would say we've got a much better sample size now. Yeah. In terms of, you know, eighteen to twenty games, you know, for for most teams, and a chance to see who fits where. Are you, are you shocked at all? Surprised at all by by what we've seen so far? Uh, certainly in Miami and elsewhere, <laughs> just how the season's played out. I think it's. I think now you can make a case to worry about the heat a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know both of us have been for the last couple of weeks saying, Hey, it's early, you know, <laughs> give them time to right. see what's going on. But I mean, I, I think now's the time where you, where you kind of say, all right, you know, this isn't developing the way anyone thought it was going to develop. And right. when you're one game above 500 after 17 games, then you're a little, then it's time to worry a little bit. Have you, uh, have you ever shoulder bumped your boss on accident while walking <laughs> back to your office? I've done it on purpose a few times. Because <laughs> this, this LeBron and uh, Eric Spolstra shoulder bump that that went on Saturday night in Dallas is, is causing quite a bit of stir. I mean, I, I got a video of it up on the on the Hangtime blog. Right I saw now. it. It's it's hard to it's hard to look at it and say, well, neither guy really paid much attention. It just kind you know they kind of bumped each other and kept moving. 
when you look at LeBron's past, you know, like we've got video of him bumping Mike Brown, and, the, <laughs> and there's always been this question of whether or not LeBron really respects his coach, you know. And I, I hate to, I hate to go all Zapruder on this thing, but I think it's too late. Yeah, <laughs> that thing's already been Zapruder yeah. all weekend. Yeah, I mean, it's just it, it, it looks very. We need Kramer and, Kramer and Newman to act it out now. <laughs> <laughs> I just think, I th- you know, I mean, I can see how – the thing is you can look at it both ways. You can look at it and say, oh, well, he's sending a message and, you know, yeah. this is – but then you also say, well, LeBron's one of the biggest men in the world. Like, it's hard not to <laughs> bump yeah. into him. Somebody's going to bump into him twice in five years or whatever, you know. <laughs> uh, so, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if he's trying to send a message or what. Let me pose it to you this way, and I know you spent some time with LeBron. You certainly spent more time, speak, you know, talking to LeBron and, and dealing with LeBron than I have or anybody else on the show has. What <laughs> What do you think is the biggest misconception about him in regards to his relationships with his teammates and coaches? I mean, in Cleveland, there was always smiles and they were having a great time. You know, now it looks totally different. You know, he's in a new environment for the first time, really, in his career. Do you think this is just a case of every little thing he does is going to be blown out of proportion? Or or do you do you read Chris Broussard's story today on ESPN.com about players saying that they're not really feeling Spolstra and they don't like his offense and this and the other and think maybe there's more to it? I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure. I have spent time with LeBron, and I've known him for a long time, but I really don't think I'm the best person to answer that question because <laughs> – I've never spent time with him like in the team setting for, you know, a right. couple for a week at a time, weeks at a time, like beat writers would have or something like that. Right. I, I've kind of being at a magazine, I kind of drop in and drop out and you don't get to see um, really how, how he interacts with the other guys. You right. know what I mean? I, I mean, but I do think this is a case of, and it's always been the case of anything he does gets magnified and picked over and chewed right. up and spit out good things and bad things, you know? And I, and I think, if anything, over the last six months, he's probably just been, and we saw it with the with the commercial he did this summer. I mean, anything he does, good or bad, gets gets blown up. And, and for the first time, really, uh, in his career, the last six months has really just been uh, a lot of people going over the bad stuff over and over. And um, and I, you know, I, I think he's realizing what the other side of the fame kind of looks like. Yeah, the the schedule makers uh, in the NBA and and the good folks at TNT uh, here in Atlanta have cooked up a a fabulous Thursday night capper for this first month of the season with, you know, LeBron and the Heat going back to Cleveland for yeah. the first time, which if if you thought it was going to be bonkers before, now that you see the dynamic with these two teams, you know, the fact that the Heat <laughs> the Heat are 9-8 are and eight and the Cavaliers are 7-9 and nine as yeah. of, you know, Monday morning on the week they're going to play for the first time. It's a – I'm not sure what to expect, and I'm hoping for some good, you know, healthy fan venom, but nothing beyond that. Like, I don't want to see anything crazy. Right, right. Anything physical, anything where somebody's doing something that's going to get somebody put in jail or anything crazy. But I want to see – I want to see fandom at its best. Like, I want to see these fans booing him every time he touches it. And t- you know what I mean? Is, I'm sure you will. Is, I mean, is it – you think it's it's realistic to expect – that sort of thing, and hopefully nothing else. I think so. Yeah. I mean, come on, it's basketball. <laughs> I mean, I, I know that LeBron broke a lot of people's hearts yeah. when he went to Miami, and if you're a Cavs fan, I understand that. I understand it completely. But uh, it's 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 basketball, yeah. you know. It's a game. It's a, yeah. it's a game, and 
I, 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 I'm with you. I hope, I hope nothing worse than that happens. But I, I, I think you have to trust the Cavs fans that <laughs> they're, it's going to be all right. But yeah. I, I guarantee you they're going to be booing like crazy <laughs> that whole game. Oh, I mean, I, I was thinking about it over the weekend, and Micah Hard, our super producer, he and I have been talking about it since last week. Just we have this. We knew we'd be talking about this Heat team basically the entire season. We knew they would be a story all season. I had no idea they it would be a story that we would have to frame in this context with does this thing work out, you know, and does it work out this season? Micah doesn't Micah's not even convinced that they that it works at all now, Lang, which is pretty staggering. I mean, he's one of these people that that doesn't even see this thing shaping up next season or beyond. Micah, explain a little bit to Lang what you were talking to me about earlier. Well the way I see it is given the you know current salary limitations that they have I'm just not convinced that they can ever improve on the kind of roster other than what they have right now unless they just unless they're either their scouting is so amazing that they you know draft somebody in the second round that turns into a top flight point guard or you know if Dexter Pittman turns into a you know great center or something they're always going to only have minimum salaries available to fill out their roster and I just don't think that, you know, I think so far it seems like we've seen enough evidence to prove that the three of them together with their talents and their skill sets is not enough to make a, a – to me, I don't even think it's enough to make a run to the conference finals. Can't they – I mean, it's not necessarily true that they're not only going to have minimum salaries available because can't they go over it? I mean, if they, they're willing to pay it, they, they, they can take it on what they want, right? Well – uh, uh, we have to get a salary cap expert on to, to answer that question. Call Tom but, it, back. but what if I mean, what if they change? What if the CBA changes? What if they go to a hard cap? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I think I think there's a pretty simple way they could get better, and, and that's just to pick up their tempo offensively. Uh, I, they've got so many. Forget the minimum salary guys. They, they've got the th- pretty much any game they're in. They're going to have three of the best players on the court uh, in LeBron, Wade, and Bosh. And, I mean, did you see the other night Rick Carlisle was saying, I mean, we came out and we just wanted to show them that we could run and we didn't think they'd be ready to run. Um, I mean, teams are looking at them and saying, well, they're going to slow it down. And I think if they could just, you know, generate some more energy there, they could steal baskets, get more points that way. Defensively, they're pretty good already and they can get better that way. I mean, I, I don't think – it's not like they're getting blown out by 40 every night, right, you know. Right. I mean, they're losing games – but it's not – I don't think it's a disaster. But I think right now – right now, I don't think they would make the conference finals either, Micah. But I, I think um, – I mean, when you got those three guys, it, it's going to be hard to, for them to play this poorly for 82 games, yeah. I think. I don't, I don't think all is lost by any means. I just think that if you, if you go back to some of the people who were looking at this in the summer when they put it together, my, my one big concern – was that did LeBron and Wade fit as well as it looked to people? You know, you say take these stars, and I think everybody points to previous experiments, you know, like in Boston when they did it. You had guys with such different skill sets. Right. You, you know, when the when the Celtics put their group together. Right. And then, uh, you know, Micah brought up another great point, is that, you know, if you take two of these guys and they go to Chicago, just take two of them. Just take either Wade and Bosch or LeBron and Bosch. Put them in Chicago. You eliminate automatically some of those other issues you thought you might have. 
you already have the big man in place and you already have the great point guard in place. Right. You know, it's like you you just wonder, was this the best choice strategically and schematically for the skills of these three guys? And and I think that's a legitimate basketball question to ask about them a month in, whereas I'm not sure you care, you know, many people cared about that at the initial but it, sound but, of that, you know, putting this group together. But doesn't doesn't that speak more to the coaching? You know, I mean, I mean, the three of them played pretty well together on the Olympics team. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just, I, I, I know what you're saying that maybe those three guys together, maybe you don't need two wing guys like that. Yeah. yeah. Maybe a point guard is more important. But I think if you have three of the best players, you figure out some way to make the three best players work together. And I don't know what that is. It's obviously not whatever they're doing in Miami right now. Yeah. But I, I think there's got to be some way for them to, to try to take advantage of it instead of there's, there's no reason that having LeBron Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosch on the same should be, team should, should be a disadvantage right. for the heat. Right. <laughs> Shouldn't right? be a bad thing to have those yeah. three in the same uniform. You wouldn't think. So um, I don't know. I, I, I there's gotta be some way to, to take care of that or fix it or whatever. Yeah. Well, we, you know, we've done our, our bit on the heat today. Um, and I'm sure we'll do more, uh, in this show and, and beyond, but, uh, but like I said, Lang, I want to take a look around the league as a whole right now. And for, for as big a disappointment as the Miami heat is to some people, the San Antonio Spurs are, are, are that much of a surprise to a lot of people with the way they played in the Western conference. And in order to make sure we, we examine this stuff properly, we wanted to bring in just the right experts to help us do it. Mike Monroe, uh, of the San Antonio Express News, longtime NBA writer, national writer, everybody knows him, is joining us now on the Hang Time Podcast. Collinsville's finest. How are you, man? Hey, it's uh, it's it's great to be on a podcast. <laughs> I don't know if I, I don't know if I don't know if you really meant that. I, but... Yeah, that, we're gonna take that as a compliment. We think, but uh, <laughs> Mikey, listen. The Spurs, nobody was talking about this Spurs team for good reasons in the summer. I think the only time I heard him mention is when Richard Jefferson opted out of his contract and everybody said, what in the world is going on in San Antonio? <laughs> <laughs> and now here, here they are playing great basketball through the first month of the season. We'll get, I mean, where'd this well, come from? And, and one of the reasons is that Richard Jefferson is playing the way <laughs> we all thought he was going to play last season. Right. right. Uh, he's, He's so much more confident and and comfortable, and that's uh, that that's not unusual for veteran players that come to the Spurs uh, to to all of a sudden in the second season, uh, you know, sort of have that uh, you know the 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 light goes on moment, mm. and uh, and and they understand the concepts and they they understand pop a little better, right, and uh, um, and, and they. They get it, uh, what it is that the Spurs uh, are about, uh, the, the defensive system, the, the, the rotations, which are a little different than, than most teams. And um, and Richard is just playing with so much more confidence and shooting the ball well. Um, you know, they don't win the game yesterday if Richard doesn't go three for four on his threes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, that's, that's one of the biggest that, – that's one of the biggest surprises. And, of course – uh, a, a lot of us in San Antonio expected that Tony Parker was going to have an outstanding season because he was coming into a contract year. Right. Well, then he 
then he, uh, then he, you know, then he signs the contract extension, and he has just continued to play well. Although the last couple of games, he's uh, he hasn't shot the ball well, but he's still distributing better than I've ever seen Tony distribute the ball. He's right. looking to create for teammates uh, much more so than he used to. You know, just just try to uh, drive into the paint and create for himself. So those are two of the big reasons. Uh, but uh, you know they they they've had a they've also had a favorable schedule, mm-hmm. and uh, and they've won some games that uh, that maybe they didn't you know may, maybe they shouldn't have won like the game in Minnesota mm-hmm. uh, that they came from twenty one down and just benefited by the meltdown of the uh, um, of the the, the Timberwolves uh, you know that was a, that was sort of a gift victory from Michael Beasley right uh, but uh, hey they're fourteen and two. What can we say? <laughs> I know leading the West. I'm, 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 I'm serious. I am genuinely surprised, Lang. I don't know about you, but I'm. I had no. They were not a team I was picking to be in this position. You know, heading into the season. I think you know, like I, every year when Slam when we do the preseason thing, I, I think the one thing I've learned in whatever twelve, eleven years covering the NBA is you never bet against the Spurs. <laughs> like, <laughs> no matter what, you don't bet against the Spurs. But Mike, I was, I was curious, like you mentioned the guys kind of getting to know pop a little better in their second year. And I think from knowing what we know about pop and, and trying not to be satisfied, like, what do you think this, what is this team looking to improve on now? Well, they, uh, they're still, uh, they still don't believe that their defense is, is completely, uh, uh, you know, operating at uh, right. typical Spurs efficiency pops, uh, complaining some about the, uh, um, the field goal, the opponent field goal percentage isn't isn't where he wants it to be, um, and and part again part of that they they they're still they still got some new pieces they're 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 putting into the into the puzzle Gary Neal and Tiago right. Splitter and uh, and when he when he comes back from injury James Anderson um, the their first round draft pick and and uh, so they're they're you know they they have some. Uh, um, they, they still have a ways to go, and and frankly, I think I can't see them getting through this season uh, with with the sort of success they've they've had this early with Dewan Blair starting at center. Right. Um, so I, that, that's going to be something interesting to watch on this uh, on the Spurs uh, um, the, the dynamic on this right. team because. Let's face it; the guy's just not big enough to be a, uh, you know, to be a center in the NBA, and uh, he he can rebound. He plays with tremendous energy, uh, but uh, there, there are some there are some liabilities there, particularly defensively. And he, he didn't play a he didn't play a second in the second half uh, yesterday against New Orleans when they came back and beat the uh, the Hornets. So I looked to I looked to see. Either Antonio McDice or uh, or Tiago Splitter starting at center before the season is over. But then again, I'm not I'm not Greg Popovich, and and uh, uh, Pop, Pop's a little stubborn. Uh, <laughs> I think if so, you were, you wouldn't be on this podcast with us too. So. <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see how that works out. But that that's something I think there's some concern about is is uh, interior defense. Uh, because frankly, uh, Dewan really struggles to uh, defend uh, long um, centers. So, uh, so there, there's there's something to uh, 
that they 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 hope to improve on probably with you know with with personnel uh, uh, not changes so much as just adjustments. Yeah, right. Mike, what do you make of two two different teams? I want to ask you about. What do you make of what's going on with the Oklahoma City Thunder? Uh, first, you know, first and foremost, I think their dynamic is interesting now, where you have Russell Westbrook as dangerous as say Kevin Durant is on most nights. Um, in terms of a guy the other team has to deal with. And then I know you got long history in Denver, obviously. What do you make of mm-hmm. that situation with Carmelo and what's going to happen there this season? Well, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're about into December, and, and obviously we, we need to – everyone's going to be aware uh, with, with Carmelo's situation at least. Everybody's going to be aware of that December 15th when, when – players who sign free agent contracts over the summer will be eligible to be traded. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so, because um, that, that's going to open up some more possibilities for, for the uh, uh, the Nuggets front office, mm-hmm. which their, their number one goal is to keep, is to keep Carmelo in, in Denver. But the, uh, you know, the, the people that, that I, whose opinions I trust about uh, what's going on in Denver um, continue to, insists that Carmelo wants out of Denver. And if that's the case, uh, the, the Nuggets are going to have to make a move uh, before the trade deadline because, uh, for goodness sakes, they don't want to lose him for nothing uh, next summer. Right. So uh, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll either make a, make a hard push to try to get him to sign that, uh, that contract extension or, uh, or, or I think we'll, we'll see him moved by the, uh, by the trade deadline. But I, I think the, uh, uh, I think that, that that team has played about as well as as uh, I would expect them to play under all the circumstances, including some of the injuries that they've had. They're 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 uh, uh, they're about where they ought to be as far as I as far as I can say. Now, Oklahoma City, uh, that, that's that really is an interesting uh, uh, dynamic up there because I think the expectations that were put on that uh, on that roster before the season were were way out of line for what that. For as young as that team was, and yeah. what it it had accomplished up to this point, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I like that I like that core of that team a lot, just like everyone else does. But uh, there were, you know, there there were people uh, predicting them uh, to be, you know, in the top two or three in the in the West. Yeah, that was me. That I, actually... <laughs> <laughs> I know that. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. And. Uh, uh, you know that's that's uh, that, that that's an awful lot of pressure to put on uh, um, you know on, on young guys like Russell Westbrook and, yeah. and Kevin Durant and Jeff Green and uh, you know I, I I've been a little disappointed in Kevin Durant wow okay. up, up to this point in the season mm-hmm. because after what it, uh, after that summer he had with the, with Team USA in the world championships, I really expected him to be a much more, um, oh, sort of aggressive, uh, with his leadership and everything else, mm-hmm. uh, on that team. And, and I haven't seen that. And, and in particular, he's, you know, the one, the one flaw in his game that I, that, that I think has been there from, from day one is, uh, I, I still don't think he's a, he's a great clutch shooter mm. and, uh, you know, in, in crunch time. So, uh, uh, let me ask you: Who would you rather have the ball in their hands on that team, and you know, for a, for a crunch time shot, KD or, or Russell Westbrook? 
That's, that's a great question. I mean, after watching them a little bit this year, I think the 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 Westbrook camp would have a whole lot more fuel um, with the way he's played. But uh, Lang, I don't know about you, but I, that's a, it's a very legitimate question. KD. <laughs> okay, you want to see you want to see those twenty footers clanging out then. Uh, <laughs> with, with the game on the line, how, how many how many game winners does how many game winners has KD made? And I'm a, and I'm a big fan, uh, but but I, I think I still think that's a hole in his game. He's only uh, made one in his career, and wow. I saw them say that, and I was like, great, because I remember it. It was against the Hawks <laughs> yeah. his rookie season. He hit like a thirty five foot three right. pointer. At I was the there. That's right. I was there. I forgot uh, about this. Okay. Sacred, he just needs you around. You're like the good luck charm. I, you know, listen, I don't want to toot our own horn around here, Mike. So, you, <laughs> listen, if you hit the lottery the next couple of days, it's because you were here. We had Josh McRoberts on with the Pacers a couple yes. weeks ago. They have since beaten the Heat and the Lakers in L.A. for the first time. They won in Staples <laughs> for the first time. I'm not saying we're good luck. Uh, we're just not bad luck. We're, this is yeah, not the inside uh, cover jinx around here. I'll tell I'll tell you what the, uh, the the Pacers beating the Lakers in uh, uh, at Staples Center has to be one of the bigger upsets of the season. Oh, without question. Yeah, without question. That this it's been, and I could be wrong, but to me this has been that kind of season where whatever we assumed was going to be in the summer has has been flipped around. Like I thought Milwaukee would be better. I mean, if you just look at the teams that people forecast to be better, the Rockets were supposed to be a better team than, than what we've seen. Obviously, they have injury issues that have come into play. Um, you know, my Grizzlies, I thought they would be better. I mean, we we just kind of took took Oklahoma City apart. They are at least 11-6 and six in, yeah, in, that, that, in playing winning no, basketball. Milwaukee, Milwaukee is much more disappointing than, yeah. than Oklahoma City. I really thought Milwaukee was going to have a – uh, ha- have a big season and 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 be a a top four team in the East. And uh, right now they they're 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 sort of, they're really in disarray. And uh, I don't know what's I don't know what's wrong there, but uh, that's 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 a big disappointment. But uh, uh, <clears throat> a, b- a bigger disappointment than Oklahoma City, yes. Uh, but a bigger disappointment than Memphis, maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> uh. But, well, but wait, then again, I don't know too many people who thought the Grizzlies were going to be really, really good. That was just me. That's, that's me I know. Again. <laughs> <laughs> wait, I want to flip this and look at it the other way. I mean, if we want to talk about surprising teams, Mike, you got to see New Orleans last night. What, what do you – are they for real or are we seeing them kind of hot out of the gate? Or what do you think is their – Well, look uh, – um, They've they've run into a little bit of uh, of a, a struggle over the last week and a half, but uh, but I still think they're I still think they're a legit team, and uh, but but let's not forget that they're 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 putting a lot of new pieces into their into their situation. Um, I mean, Dell Demps has been the busiest GM in the uh, yeah. uh, in the NBA, and it's going to you know. I'm sorry. He's done a fantastic job too. Yeah, I think he's done a great job. Yeah, and and uh, uh, so it's going to you know they're they're going to be some uh, uh, you know there's going to be some some growing pains there with that roster. But uh, uh, Chris Paul is the best point guard in the NBA, and and David West is one of the best power forwards in the NBA. And you know when you you can win you can win a lot of games with uh, with you know a great point guard and a great power forward. And and I like some of their other pieces too. And I think Monty Williams has has them playing uh, defense that it might not be quite spur like, but it's close. Uh, 
Right. Uh, it's the it's the Spurs' defensive system. Right. Uh, but uh, you know, so it's going to take a, it's going to take a while uh, for that group to uh, you know to get into playing that defense as well. But uh, and, and and you know, and you've got some guys like Trevor Ariza who really aren't defenders. But uh, yeah. Um, but I, I like their team. I, I think they're going to be a. Uh, I don't expect them by the end of the season to be a, a, a top four team in the in the West. But I think they'll be right in that five, six, seven mix. And mm-hmm. and who knows? They, they could they could slip into a, a home home court advantage in the first round. Yeah. You know, I, I think the last thing here, Mike, because we know you're busy. We're not, we're not going to keep you all day. But I think it's very interesting. Uh, we mentioned the Spurs being a kind of a, a somewhat of a surprise team or a team that you didn't maybe expect to get off to this kind of start. If you look at the standings in the Western Conference and who's really playing well right now, the Spurs, Dallas is on a five-game win streak. Yes. Utah's on a five-game win streak. Yes. Denver's on a four-game win streak. I, I, I'm assuming that we probably didn't give these teams, these veteran teams in the Western Conference their due. We assume that some of these upstarts – would really make some noise and come around, and and maybe we sold the vets a little short. That, that that's because that's what we do. You know, we're always <laughs> looking for something new. We like we you know we like the team on the rise, right? You know, right. Uh, as opposed to the uh, the teams that have been there. Uh, and because then if if we're right, we re- we look really smart, <laughs> right? Uh, but, I'm uh, still working on that. <laughs> <laughs> or you look like Saker. <laughs> but but I'll tell you, there's there's a lot to be said for for teams who you know, uh, like all the Jerry Sloan, Sloan teams over the years, who you know who have uh, whose whose philosophy is to keep their core together mm-hmm. and and to never change what it is that they do from year to year, and uh, uh, and of course that, that that's the same philosophy in San Antonio because yeah. Greg Popovich will be the first to tell you that he, he stole almost all of his uh, philosophy of coaching from Jerry Sloan. Right. Uh, so, uh, uh, <clears throat> you know, the, I, I think that, you know, the, the veteran teams and, and look at the, uh, look at the Lakers. I mean, you know, yeah. their, their, their core is pretty much the same, uh, uh, you know, over the last uh, uh, four or five years. Uh, and and I and I mean, of course, including Phil Jackson and and his and his coaching staff, sure. and they do the same things year after year after year, and and there's a lot to be said for that, uh, and and sometimes we forget about that, yeah, because that's who we are. <laughs> well, listen, we we appreciate you showing up. I know you probably had a weightlifting contest. I don't. You guys don't know this, but Monroe is like the strongest man ever from Collinsville, Illinois. Just so you know. <laughs> It's just like claim to fame, uh, but uh, but we appreciate you coming on with us, Mike, and uh, we know we'll see you down the road, man. Keep everybody. Uh, All right, take you anytime. Keep everybody safe do down there, man. Thank you All so right, much. We'll, we'll do it. Okay. All right. Bye bye. I you know I don't know if if it's just me looking back. I, I hate to look back at what we predicted for this season. Well, look, I'm not going to hang you out to dry because I mean <laughs> I thought Milwaukee was going to be better. Yeah, than they are. I mean, this isn't like. But I thought Philadelphia would be better than they are. Um, I think everyone thought Houston would be better than they've been. Of course, injuries play a part there. But yeah. I mean, I, I I think some of these teams have been disappointing so far. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and I think it's. I mean, 
to say Oklahoma City, I, I had Oklahoma City, I think number two in the West. So did I. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, and they're eleven and six. It's not. I know. It's not like it's out of the question. Yeah. It's like they're struggling. I know. It's you know, but we put so many expectations on so many of these teams. We talked about the Heat. The, these external expectations for some of these teams go through the roof because we didn't. We've never spent the kind of time debating the NBA that we did the past six months in the offseason. Right. Ne- it's never happened before. Right. I think I think the summer and all that went on with free agency created such a spotlight and such a, you know. Uh, and I think in USA basketball, too. Yeah, I mean, it's just so much that we spent so much time dissecting these teams and trying to figure them out. We didn't give time, you know, we didn't give any, any credence to the, the amount of time it takes for these teams to get on the floor, play together, and then injuries and everything else that factors into a season to play out. Um, you know, now I feel, I feel almost some, some remorse, you know, for, for some of these teams who we wrote off that are playing well. And then some of these teams that we hyped up that aren't, that aren't necessarily struggling, but, but are having some, some struggles trying to live up to some real lofty expectations. We haven't even mentioned uh, the team that's two games out of first in the Eastern conference. <laughs> Atlanta Hawks. I know. Stop. Don't, I, I mean, don't want to get you and Micah going on your Hawks. <laughs> no, but I mean, I, that's a team that's. I, if any team's under the radar, probably it's been them. Yeah, but I mean, what we you think I mean, we bust but, their lip. We bust their lip every other week because they go on a two or three game losing streak. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, but you know, you were talking about teams that are on the winning streaks, and you were talking about oh, Dallas, Utah, Denver. I can't remember the other one you mentioned. Um, uh, but I, I was just looking at teams in their last ten games. Yeah. San Antonio nine and one, Dallas eight and two, Utah eight and two, Oklahoma yeah. City seven and three. Yep. Um, I mean, and and, and <laughs> one of those teams was a team that we were just talking about being a disappointment. I know. So <laughs> I, I gave, listen. I heard a I heard a coach tell me a while ago that you know you break a season up into five game segments. Okay. Like you know you take every yeah. five games of the season, and you try and win. You know, three three out of the five, four out of the five, and that's you know that's how you build a successful season. Well, if sure. you take ten, and like you said, you just look at the last ten, whatever whatever's going on in the season, and I don't care what stage it is. If I'm if I'm seven and three or or eight and two in my last ten, that would would qualify to me as doing what you need to be doing. And if you just look down the standings, the teams that are on these rolls, even right now. Even you know, even though we've only played twenty, you know, eighteen to twenty games, that you gotta you gotta be in that realm for me to feel good about you. Not just now, but going into the you know the end of this calendar year and the start of the new year, because all you can do is take this in these short blocks. You can't look at it as an eighty-two game schedule, Lang, and try and form any lasting opinions in November. I think, and I think next week will kind of be. Some of these teams will be at like almost the twenty-five game mark, you know. I mean, or at least like the Knicks have played eighteen games. A yeah. lot of teams are getting close to like that twenty-game, twenty-two game, where you're almost at the quarter pole, right? And then, I mean, I, I, at some point, maybe it's next week, maybe it's this week. The teams they are who we thought they were. <laughs> <laughs> we get Denny Green on here were. next week. <laughs> get Denny Green next week, Micah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I think we're we're kind of reaching that that uh, that point point of uh, where it's it's valid to to make judgments of these teams. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree, and 
We we talked with Mike Monroe uh, from the San Antonio Express News about the mostly about the Western Conference. We said we were going to talk Eastern Conference uh, as well as Western Conference, and uh, we definitely wanted to bring on our next guest, who's a longtime columnist, observer, writer, you know, provocateur, all that good stuff. Sean Powell, NBA.com's very own, joining us now on the Hangtime Podcast. Sean uh, Lang and I have been dissecting the Miami Heat, which you have written. Uh, quite a bit about that team uh, this season. Wh- where do we stand right now in terms of the the big three or whatever we want to call them's dynamic with Eric Spolstra and all this drama about them maybe not, or at least at, at least LeBron James maybe not taking to Eric Spolstra's coaching style. You know, LeBron has never had serious issues with his coaches in the past, and if he did, it stayed under wraps. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. I guess I have to view this with a somewhat of a suspicious eye because he just doesn't have a history mm. in doing so. Um, also, it goes against uh, really, uh, I mean, he could be harmed, at least publicly anyway, more than he is already. Mm-hmm. If there's any kind of scent or there's any kind of uh, uh, um, hint that he is leading an overthrow of Eric Spolstra. I mean, that works against him in the public. That doesn't work for him. So, uh, you know, throw all this in the mix. And finally, Dwayne Wade is such a big uh, fan of Spolstra. And I think for LeBron, if he has something against Spolstra, doesn't he, by extension, have something against Wade? I mean, not directly against Wade, but this is a guy who vouched for Spolstra uh, before LeBron signed with the Heat. So what does that say after a couple months and, you know, uh, including training camp and, you know, uh, four weeks into the, into the season, uh, a guy that Wade vouched for, uh, you know, it's not working out with LeBron. I would, again, I, I tend to think whenever I see issues, pertain, issues about uh, coaches and players, you have to understand, and you guys know this, you guys are NBA veterans, that stuff goes on even on winning teams. Right, right, right. Uh, and so how much, how much credibility do you give something like this when you know it goes on everywhere or you just sing it out because it's the Miami Heat, it's LeBron James, and the fact that the team hasn't started very well? Do you think, Sean, we were sacred and I were talking about this earlier, that if you have <laughs> Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, and Chris Bosh on the same team, Shouldn't that be an asset rather than a problem? <laughs> and, like, h- how do you reconcile what's going on with the Heat right now as far as their, their record on the court? Well, first of all, um, uh, I-, I don't think this team is ready to win a championship. I think we can all agree with that. I'm not saying it's go- not going to be a team that's going to win, you know, 45, 50 games or, you know, and-, and have some, you know, some drama in the postseason, but it's not built to beat the Celtics. It's not built to beat Orlando. It's not built to beat the Lakers. Probably not even Utah or Oklahoma City or the Spurs. Uh, simply because Miami is missing, or, or I should say Miami is lacking, at the two most important positions on the floor. That's point guard and center. You've got to have a point guard. You've got to have a big man, I think, in order to win in this league. You can't start throwing guys who really aren't point guards and really aren't big men into those roles and asking them, to um, perform those roles at the highest level. You just can't do it. LeBron's not a point guard. Wade's not a point guard. Neither of those guys are post-up players. Chris Bosh is not a post-up player. Okay? So right away, uh, 
you know, Miami's hurting it in, as far as that's concerned. Plus, there's no depth there. I mean, you're not yeah. bringing guys off the bench that the other team's afraid of. Yeah. So when you add all that up, and I wrote this before, I don't think LeBron and Wade, they're tired for minutes, you know, 40, 42 minutes, whatever a game. I don't think they're tired from that. I think they might be weary from the burden of not only being on a team with such great expectations, but they're having to uh, fill roles that, yeah, they did it in the past, but, you know, they need to do it in a high degree, and I don't think they're used to doing that under this kind of microscope. So that's what I think they're weary from. That's a totally different perspective, Sean. Very interesting, too. Do you think Eric Spolstra, I mean, I'm sure he kind of had an idea that that the pressure would be dramatic, you know, certainly a dramatic increase from what it was last year. But do you think he had any idea just how crazy and ridiculous the scrutiny would be with this team if he, if he could look at it now and, and give you an honest answer? Do you think he had any idea what was coming? You know, Sekou, I don't think he had any idea. And to be honest with you, you could put anybody in that position. And I don't think they would have had any idea. Yeah. Uh, I personally thought Pat Riley should have removed uh, Eric Spolster right from the start. Mm. Right from the start, before the season even started. I mean, that way, you know, you don't have a young co- – you're not putting a young coach in such a tough position. It's almost like a no-win position. You're not putting a young coach in that position, dealing with as many stars – as Eric has to deal with, and not only that, you know, you're asking him to do what, you know, not a lot of even experienced coaches have done in the past. And also, finally, there's this big shadow of Pat Riley in the background. I mean, it's just, to me, I just thought it was just totally unfair. I would have gone to Eric and said, hey, look, you know, um, I just, it's just not going to work out. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with you. It's just I don't want to put you in that sort of position. But, you know, it is what it is now. Um and, again, even if they weren't off to a bad start, I still think, if, you know, this trouble would have come in April or May if they get ousted in the first round of the playoffs. It just so happens that in this situation, the issues are flaring up now here in, December, here in late November rather than the spring. Yeah. Maybe that's a good thing, do you think? Um, I mean... Well, look, I mean, the, the, the problems that Miami – is dealing with right now, it's not going to be resolved this this season. They're they're not going to go out and get a a top flight point guard, or they're not going to find a a functional big man um, to really, you know, help in the areas where they need help. It's just not going to happen this year. And, and finally, and I do think LeBron and Wade, I think they get along very well, but you know, they're pretty much the same type of player. Um, and so I see that um, even their roles are sort of colliding. You know, and they're doing everything they can to make it work. And I'm not saying it's failing at all. But I just go back to the point I wanted to make earlier. I mean, the areas where this team has the greatest need, the two most important areas on the floor, you can't ask them to fulfill those roles. Yeah. Right. You know, it's, it's funny, too, Sean. Uh, we spent so much time talking about the heat these days. I, I, we certainly have. Um, there's a whole league out there playing basketball but it's like the only time you mention some of these teams is when they play the Heat. I, if you just look at the Eastern Conference, Boston and Orlando both 12-win teams. The Atlanta Hawks 11 wins. There are three other teams, and, and certainly you could throw Chicago in the mix, you know, and Indiana even in the last few days. There are certain teams that are out there playing really well and dealing with the same sorts of issues and then bouncing right back from them. Who else has, has caught your eye in the East so far just through the first month? 
Uh, well, you'd have to throw Indiana up there, particularly after that win in, in Los Angeles. I mean, um, you know, this is a team I just almost knew would be right at the bottom in, in, in the conference. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a team in transition. It's a franchise in transition. Uh, they're trying to get rid of some contracts. They probably only have maybe three, maybe four players. They really want to be on that roster in, say, two or three years. Um, and, you know, the whole thing about Jim O'Brien and Larry Bird, whether these guys are, you know, on their way out. So, like I said, I just thought this was pretty much a write-off year. I mean, but Roy Hibbert has really emerged as a very decent big man. I'm not going to call him great. I'm not going to put him in – in Springfield yet, you know, even though he outplayed Powell Gasol. Yeah. You know, the long season ahead. But at least you're starting to see some of the reasons why the Pacers drafted him first overall, and they, they, they were patient with him, mm-hmm. let him, letting him go through his mistakes and learn on the job. So the Pacers definitely, you know, are right there um, in terms of one of the teams that I really didn't expect to be where they are. But on the, on the flip side, I, I, I don't think – I didn't think I expected this from Milwaukee to be yeah, six and ten. Right. Uh, you know, I, I thought they'd be better than that. Um, I guess to an extent, I'm a little disappointed in Charlotte. This mm-hmm. is a playoff team last year, um, but you know, Gerald, Gerald Wallace really hasn't played well, and that team. I know I don't know what they're missing right now, but it's just not working out so far. And I also thought the Wizards would be a little bit better. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just thought that. You know, that's a team with a lot of intriguing young talent. And I thought guys like JaVale McGee would take a big step up. And I thought Gilbert would at least not get back to where he was, you know, when he first arrived in Washington. But I thought he'd really, really make up for last season. And, you know, John Wall's been pretty good. But the rest of that team's been a little bit shaky. So I guess I would have to say the Wizards have been pretty much a mild disappointment also. Who do you think comes out of the East, John? I mean, do you think Boston and Orlando are the two teams that are going to fight it out? You know, so far, I haven't seen anything from the Celtics that would make me believe that they're not going to make it out of the East. Mm-hmm. Um, again, uh, um, you, you, when you look at the Celtics, you see upside. It, it, it's a strange thing to say with a veteran right. team. You're like, right. where's the upside coming from? <laughs> but Kendrick Perkins is hurt, and yeah. he's going to eventually going to make it back. Um, you know, KG is playing extremely well considering everything he's gone through, just in terms of the you know the physical toll in the past that he's taken on his body. Paul Pierce, I mean, this is a guy who's still able to put up 25, 30 points, you know, when he wants to. Um, so, I mean, and these guys play so well together. And finally, Doc Rivers. I mean, I, I've always said this. I think Doc Rivers has got to be the most underrated coach in basketball. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is this. If you compare the Celtics Big Three with the with the Heat Big Three, the Celtics Big Three they all have distinct roles, different roles. Right. You know, you've got KG performing one, you know, a big man role. You've got Ray Allen, a designated shooter. You have Paul Pierce, a guy who's going to take his man off the dribble, create things like that. And they're just so much more diverse in their roles, as compared to you know the Big Three in Miami. And I think that's one reason why it's worked. It has worked well for the Celtics ever since they got Ray Allen. And Kevin Garnett, that these guys don't conflict with each other. They complement each other so well. What one person, one player doesn't do well, the other one does do well, and so they fulfill those roles. And then, of course, the bonus when when Rondo just almost becomes an overnight sensation, yeah. and now he's he's able to play point guard. I mean, it's really worked out for the Celtics in a way it hasn't worked out for Miami. Yeah, Sean, do you do you feel like? 
we I know nobody mentions them amongst the teams that they feel are a little disappointing or maybe they expected more of. The Knicks have kind of fallen out of the conversation for better or worse. Nobody, you know, is it? I almost would feel better if we talked about them and just said, oh, yeah, they're a little disappointed. But irrelevant seems even more dangerous to me. And right now they seem like a team that nobody really factors into the discussion. You, you know, Seiko, you make a very good point about the Knicks, you know, a team that I really thought they upgraded themselves in the off season. But first of all, they're a very bad defensive team. <laughs> you know, they're giving yeah. up 107 points a game. And, and that's, something you've got to really look out with, particularly when it comes to Mike D'Antoni, because mm-hmm. that's always been the knock with D'Antoni, is that, you know, when he was in Phoenix, you know, he had, you know, teams that could score, I and mean, they couldn't stop anyone. Uh, also, it's also a, a knock against Amari Stoudemire. Again, this is a guy in Phoenix who could score with anybody, but he always had that knock about him regarding defenses, in that he didn't like to mix it up, didn't like to get too physical, didn't rebound very well for a big guy, and definitely wasn't going to block any shots or shut anyone down. And, um, you know, look, I mean, the bottom line is, you know, the Knicks haven't – they're an average team. Yeah. You know, they don't have any incredible assets right now. I mean, Stoudemire, again, offensively, he's been very good, but he's not a complete player. And I don't think we see the complete picture of the Knicks until – we see how the drama regarding Carmelo Anthony works its way out. But even having said that, but Carmelo's a scorer. He's not a defender either. So, right. you know, we'll see what, what happens with them. I, you know, I think that, that that team is not going to have all the pieces in place for another year or two. Right. right. You, do, and, do, do you think, Sean, that Carmelo is the, the last big domino to fall this season in terms of whatever happens not between now and the trade deadline, if Carmelo – ends up changing teams, that will be the thing that kind of colors the picture for the for the season after that? Yeah, I do. Although, you know, I'm not so sure how much leverage Carmelo has. Uh, when, when he basically gives no team any sign that he's willing to sign long-term with him, mm-hmm. I mean, a team would be foolish to fork over some pretty decent assets just to rent a player for three months, even though that player may – be the difference between them advancing to an extra round in the postseason. There are no guarantees that he'll, however, that he will help them win a championship. And no team, like I said, they're just not going to just give up assets for Carmelo Anthony without some sort of guarantee that he's going to sign with them. And, 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 and having said that, you can probably get rid of maybe three-fourths of the team in the NBA because they're not willing to deal with um, luxury tax issues because um, – you know, because of the the kind of money that Carmelo is going to command. Yeah. So I really don't think that, even though, yeah, he is the last domino to fall. I would probably say that he might even be with Denver for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't see right now another team making a deal that would be good for the Nuggets, and at the same time not strip that team of the kind of assets that they'll need to play alongside Carmelo, and that's if Carmelo decides to sign with that team. Right. Well, Lang, I don't, you know, I don't know what other teams may be floating around out there, Sean. I just think that, you know, everybody says 17, 18, 20 games is too soon to, to take the pulse of the league. I disagree. Um, <laughs> I think you have to work with some sort of sample size. We're at the quarter pole, anything. man. Yeah, I mean – I want to see how things play out, obviously, going forward. But to me, this first 20 to 25 games 
is more than enough for me to start making some some adjustments to my preseason predictions and what I think is going to play out. And I don't know about you, Sean. I, I'm feeling pretty good about my Lakers-Celtics finals that I predicted in the summer. Well, you know, uh, Sekou, I agree with you. I don't think we need to see 50 games to figure out what team's going to be pretty good, what team's not going to be pretty good. The only, the, the, the only asterisk I would attach to that is if a team is missing an important player because of some sort of non-major injury, say he's been out for 10, 15 games, then you would say, okay, well, when, that, when player X gets back, you know, add some, you know, this team's going to be better off. Right. But I think what we see is, what, is what's going to be. Uh, you know, um, I'm not saying I'm not necessarily pencil, uh, putting in Celtics Lakers in ink. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, um, I would definitely not be surprised if those were the last two teams standing. Yeah. Um, you know, unless Orlando figures it out. You know, maybe Chicago would boot when Boozer gets back. I mean, does he instantly transform them uh, that Bulls team into you know a really a big time killer in the East? You know, you, you've got to make some wiggle room for that. Um, but I think for the most part what we see is, um, you know, I think that's the way it's going to be. That works for me. Sean Powell, NBA.com's very own, joining us. Sean, we appreciate it. Stay out of Cleveland Thursday night. Um, You know, we don't want (laughs) to. You you, you know what? I'm kind of curious, Sekou. What player, what what Miami Heat teammate wants to walk next to LeBron in that arena? Uh, I know one uh, thing. He'd be walking in there by himself with Ilgalskas. That's yeah, the only with dude those on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I would stay at least five feet away when I'm coming out of the uh, the locker room and I'm going back into the locker room. You know, five feet is 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 pretty good. Yeah, whatever uh, bus LeBron is on, I'm getting okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we appreciate it, Sean Powell. You can read him on NBA.com. Thanks so much, man. Thanks, Sean. Anytime, dude. All right. You know, that's the one thing we haven't really discussed, and I don't want to, you know, we don't want to be – we don't want to be foolish. It's I too late see for a, that. <laughs> I mean, I want to see – I want to see the night live up to all the drama, but I don't want to see anybody do anything crazy. I don't want to see anybody get hurt. Nobody you does. Know, no, nobody wants to see that. But I'll tell you this. Lang – if, the, if if you were coming back to Atlanta after after kissing off the city this summer and taking your talents elsewhere, believe me, partner, you would have to ride by yourself. I'd meet you at the arena. <laughs> I would just make sure I had the noise canceling on my Beats by Dre headphones <laughs> turned on. Yes. He, listen, those things will come in handy. They'll, yeah. they'll come in handy on his way in and out of the arena Thursday night. It's too bad he can't play with them all. If I were uh, LeBron, I'd think about seeing what Art Modell's doing on uh, Thursday nights and get get him. (laughs) Maybe invite him to the game and get him buy him a courtside seat. Well, we're terrible, we're terrible. But hey, another one in the books, guys. Listen, the Hang Time Podcast here on NBA.com. Say big shouts to uh, Sean Powell of NBA.com and Mike Monroe of the San Antonio Express News for joining us. Micah, I want you to work now. I'm serious. I want you to put in. Listen, you got to take a few days off. So be it. Next week, seriously now, next week, we got to work on somebody like a head of state, somebody crazy to have on the show next week. I don't, we got to we got to sit down and brainstorm. Like, I want to talk somebody. I want to talk somebody so off the off the path. Boutros, Boutros, Golly, exactly. coming up on the Hang Time Podcast. I, I follow deep. I, I follow Deep Potch Opera on the uh, Twitter. Let's see if we can't get him to come on the Hang Time Podcast. Call the week. call the WikiLeaks guy. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> see if he has some contacts. Exactly. Let's turn this thing upside down next week for for our first podcast of December. Let's kick this. Th- let's kick it up a notch. Let's get Santa. Let's get- <laughs> 
Uh, we appreciate it, everybody listening, and uh, we'll definitely be back next week. Lang, thanks for coming on. We'll, we'll make sure we Skype you up next week this time, my friend. All right. Thanks for listening to the Hang Time Podcast. To download more episodes of the show, visit the iTunes Music Store. Be sure to check out the Hang Time blog on NBA.com. And for more of Lang, visit SlamOnline.com. You can follow Seku and Lang on Twitter at SekuSmithNBA and Lang with it. The Smyrna Spartans have yet to get on Twitter, but we'll let you know when they do. 